0: Welcome to the Patricia King podcast, a podcast where we explore God's vast love for all of us, as well as current and relevant prophetic insight to enrich your soul. Now, here is Patricia King. Praise the Lord. Well, um, I want to share just something prophetic right now that might seem a little bit heavy um, for, for a moment, but I think we're going to be hearing a lot more weightier words in this next season. There's a a discipline that God is calling for in these coming days that we really need to to listen to. And um, I've been pondering a number of things, and if you weren't able to listen to Pastor Francisco's message this morning, I, I highly recommend you go on uh, Shiloh's Facebook later and listen to it. It's very good. Uh, so much insight out of Daniel right now. But what was coming to me in worship, which, which was laid a little bit heavy on my heart, um, was in regards to what the Lord has offered us in presence and he has done so much he is he, he is truly our indescribable gift like we don't deserve his mercy the only thing we really deserve is hell eternal damnation is what we actually deserve but his mercy has given us life and it's only because of what Jesus did on the cross, only that. There's nothing else. It's not your good works. It's not, you know, what you can accomplish. It's only him. It's not some religion that could save you or or anything. It's his sacrifice on the cross is what brought you to him. And he opened up the way for all to come, come to him. And so we do that in our daily devotions and our time with the Lord. We come to him because he is worthy and because he is our life. Because without him, we have nothing. Without him, we actually have nothing. And um, we, we, we are so grateful. So love draws us into his presence. And in the in the Bible days, they would meet together daily in the in the temple, daily. They would actually gather. They would leave their homes and gather in the temples. They would also get taught in the synagogues daily. Their whole life was around. Coming together as unto the Lord—that was their life. That was their culture. That was um, everything about what they did. Was 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 in that place. And I remember growing up. Um, I, I I wasn't born into a Christian home per se. Uh, my parents were partiers. Um, they uh, sent us to Sunday school Sunday morning so that they could sleep in. Um, you know, and recover from the hangover from the night before. But I'm so grateful that we got to go to Sunday school. I'm so grateful now because I realized there was so much so much put in. But even though my parents um weren't churchgoers or or real you know, Bible believing people, they had um, a knowledge that you know uh, Jesus was Lord. They celebrated Christmas. They celebrated him at Easter. There was there there was this uh, maybe not a personal faith, but there was a belief. I mean, after all, we were Canadians, and so therefore we must be Christians because we weren't Buddhist or Hindus. You know, so uh, that's the way people thought at the time. So because of that, there were s- certain things that were very hallowed, and one of them was the Lord's Day, and so. In, in our nation, there there was no buying or selling. There was, uh, nothing was open except emergency ser- services like hospitals and that. That's all that was open on Sundays. And the reason why everything was shut down is because there was this knowing that the Lord was to be honored. And so people weren't out doing games. There was no football games on Sunday back then. There were no kids' soccer games on Sundays. There was no baseball games on Sundays. There was no activities. Everything was shut down. The families came together. And in Israel, with the celebration of the Sabbath, it is still to this day a culture in the land that everything is shut down on the Sabbath. And so, um, you know, outside of um, tourist invasion, um, everything for the, the uh, citizens of Israel, it is, it is an o- honorable day in the Lord to come together in the Lord, right? And so as I was worshiping this morning, I felt the Lord say, beware of the great falling away, beware of the great falling away. And of course we know in the Bible that it's it's it said that there will be a great following away. But the Lord showed me this morning it's already happened. Like when we years ago changed laws in our nations to open up uh, Sundays and to to clear Um, the uh, calendar of a day of worship or a day of acknowledging um, the holiness of God because even the most corrupt people understood it was the Lord's Day, you know. I mean, it was still still acknowledged, you know, as, as that. And then we also took prayer out of the schools. We took Bible reading out of the schools. So bit by bit, we started taking everything away that represented God. It's like a falling away. And so then now... I believe the Lord has said, beware. Beware that you don't just uh, say, well, you know what? I I didn't get a chance to do my grocery shopping, so I think I'll do that today instead of come to the house of the Lord. Um, I, you know, I've got a sports game to watch, and it happens to start before the church services ended. So I think I'll just stay home, and I'll watch church later sometime on the internet. You understand what I'm saying here, right? Is that we can very easily, and it's a deception of the enemy. So I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. It's a deception of the enemy that gets in there and says, yeah, you don't really need to do that. You don't really need to do that. And before you know it, God, who is so worthy, will only get the crumbs off your table. And he's worthy of so much more than that. And I believe that in this coming day, uh, 2022 has some serious stuff that awaits us. And we need to be consecrated. You know, again, listen to Pastor Francisco's message this morning. Uh, We need to be truly consecrated for what is coming. You're either going to serve the Lord or you're not going to serve him. And then... I was also receiving this morning during worship the scripture where Jesus said, and I, I didn't have time to look it up. It was just kind of downloading. But um, he had prepared a feast. It was a parable. He had prepared a big feast. And he said, come. And so all the invited guests were invited to come. But they were saying, you know, you know what? I'm not going to make it. I'm too busy. I've got other things. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And so he put out another invitation, the same thing. And um, so he, he finally said, well, go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. And then after when people wanted to get in, it was too late. They couldn't. Come to what was prepared. We, we need to give God what he's worthy for, and that's our life. So don't just say, you know what? I don't really feel like having devotion today. I was talking to someone recently about it, uh, you know, because there's a, a season that many are going through, me included. Like, I'm not waking up in the morning and saying, wow, I, you know, I'm captured by the presence of the Lord this morning. I can hardly wait, you know, I do, drop everything to go and to be with Jesus. That is not how it is felt. At all. For months on end. But what's kept me is a discipline I keep. And disciplines are healthy. You know, they're not like out of the spirit. They're just healthy. Sometimes when when you have to say, you know what? I'm not feeling drawn into your presence, Lord, but you're worthy of it. So here I come, and I open up my Bible, and I read my three to four chapters a day or, or you know, more, because usually once you get into it, you can get propelled to, to do f- further study in that. But I open up my heart to the Lord as a discipline when it's not just naturally there. And you're going to be tested on that. We're, we are going to be tested As to our love for God. And when you're not feeling it, or when you don't have the goosebumps, or when you don't have like, ooh, the atmosphere is filled with the glory right now. I can really, you know, enjoy this. When there's nothing for you to enjoy, would you give him something to enjoy? You. And so, I just want to issue a warning. Be aware of the great falling away. And be in the house of the Lord on Sundays. Be in the house of the Lord on Sundays. Compel people to come. It's really important, and your presence is important. I know we're in a busy season right now. People are doing Christmas shopping, buying their turkeys and everything. But honestly, Jesus is more important. And if you put Jesus first, he will honor your turkey. <laughs> he He really will. So I hope that's an encouragement for you. And, you know, we've got a very real devil that's trying to... Give his his biggest shot right now, and we are going to um, uh, we are going to serve the Lord. I'm, I'm I'm carrying some heavy words prophetically for this season. I'm carrying some really good words too, um, but there's 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 some alignment that is really necessary. This is not a time to fool around and just you know, be distracted and let God have the crumbs off your table. This is, this is, um, there's going to be some heavy confrontations coming. And so let's um, just from our heart of love for him, let's align. Um, I just have a couple of announcements to make before we go on. Uh, First of all, Robert Hodgkin this week is uh, teaching a free webinar on overcoming Leviathan. And Leviathan is a, is a um, demonic spirit that twists and perverts communication, tries to destroy, to, to destroy relationship, bring people down into destruction, and uh, we can overcome it. And it's running rampant right now, not only on personal levels, but on national levels. And so he's gonna be doing a teaching this week on that. When you sign up for it, it's absolutely free. You don't have to pay for it, but you do have to register. So go to patriciaking.com to register for that. And if you can't make it live, you be sent uh the link for the teaching afterwards it's going to be um, um amazing and also um for uh, the web church members for you that are in the web church and for those of you that are watching that are not in the web church you might you know if you feel connected to Shiloh you might want to join our web church if you can't be here personally and just you know we have a congregation that that totally is on fire for God um, that uh, you know loves the Lord and that we are diligent in serving him and so coming up in January I'm starting an eight-month mentorship when when I um, opened it up years ago, the actual um, cost of that mentorship was $800, and we offered it for uh, 50% off at the time. And uh, it was eight months of, of going and developing our faith, our our character, our uh, walk before the Lord, our identity. It is an amazing course. So I'm offering it free to church members for an eight-month mentorship. There'll be two sessions a month. Again, um, if you can't make it live, I will be uh, making it available so that you can watch it on demand, but the live one would be great to watch because there'll be interaction in it. And so that's eight-month mentorship starting in January all the way through to the end of August, and it'll be two sessions a month. There'll be one teaching session. Assignments will be given out so that you can uh, get it established in in your life, and all also a and a session also coming up here in the new year oh by the way if you're watching and you're not part of the web church yet um, and you want to be just go to shilohfellowship.com and there's a tab there that you can join we'd love to love to have you we'd love to um, just nurture you pastor you cover you bless you um, and uh, i know that it would be a, a, a just a real blessing for you also coming up here we have teaching on intercession. Pastor will go more into that, but we're raising up a company of priesthood in this house locally. We're going to shift uh, shift atmospheres, not only in the house, but in the city. We are we are going on assignment. It is going to be so much fun. We're going to be skilled in intercession, so we'll hear more about that later, and that's available in the house on Sunday nights in the new year. And then a special treat, we have Leif Hetland coming in on January 5th, when- Wednesday night for a special revival meeting and so you'll want to mark that on your calendar and for those of you that are watching online yes we are going to live stream it for you so that you can be um, a part of that and so it will be here live with Leif Hetland last time he was here this this atmosphere was impregnated with the glory there were so many miracles that took place deliverances it was just amazing so that's coming up and then also the last Sunday night of January we're having a prophetic night. Uh, We've got um, special guests coming in um, uh, that will be cyber guests for us. We've got uh, Cindy Jacobs and James Gall and um, uh, Jane Hammond, Jeremiah Johnson yeah, it, it 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 is going to be amazing. And we have Ryan Lestrange in person coming. I mean, we're, we're going to impregnate the atmosphere with the prophetic for the new year, and it's going to be great. It says um, when you um, just embrace what the prophets are saying, you succeed and you prosper. All right, so that's for the new year. It's, we're going to start it out with a big bang. It's going to be amazing. Um, but I want to share this morning... Um, Part three of my message on unoffendable okay so if if you haven't heard the first two they are available on podcasts. you can also uh, go to my youtube youtube channel and get the first two parts and i highly recommend it even if you heard those messages before listen to them again because it's something god's god's uh, offer not not only offering us he's he's like demanding that we come into alignment on this and i don't know about you but i'm working on it okay and uh just amazed at, at, at how often I'll slip into an offensive mindset it just blows my mind but anyways I want to review for you um just just how uh, how powerful and destructive offense is and that there's actually five deadly elements that are involved in offense when you, Uh, choose a fence within your heart or your mind you actually are connecting to five deadly elements so it's like five transgressions that's that's a lot on your docket okay and one of them is anger it could be from being just slightly miffed to uh, an intense rage (laughs) Um, bitterness is another one that could be like light feelings of irritation to intense bitterness judgment from a casual critical opinion to severe judgment, often called discernment. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just discerning. <laughs> um, unforgiveness and it could be from an unconscious lack of forgiveness to a determined I will not forgive and then pride Um, it's from mild levels of of condescending attitudes to blatant arrogance okay so those are the things that are involved are contained inside of offense so when you are offended all those things are at work inside of you and they're on your docket so we want to we want to have a clean docket of those things, right? And uh, um, today I want to focus especially on the aspect of we, we serve an unoffendable Savior. Praise the Lord. Because if he was offendable, he would have never come for you and I. He would have never done On the cross, what he did for us if he was carrying offense against us. He was in love with us. And we've given him plenty of opportunity to be offended right? Mankind has. But instead, the father sent his son to exchange our sin for his righteousness, to pay the penalty for our sin so that we would never pay it, to restore us completely in our relationship with God, and that there would be no requirement on our part except to receive that wonderful gift. That's what God gave to us by sending his own son that we are celebrating at this time of year, the coming of Jesus Christ into the earth. But you cannot look at the coming of him into the earth without looking for the purpose at the purpose of why God sent him. And looking at his destiny every child that comes into the earth has within them a destiny there's a plan for their life and God had a plan for Jesus and this was it that he would he would pay for our sins that he would he would bring us to the father and when you think of the way it all began is that we've got Mary and Joseph are ready to give birth. She's been carrying him, and she's been going through a bit probably, right? There's probably just as much gossip back in that day as there is today, little judgments, people being offended with her because what she doing pregnant. And can you believe it that she's saying it's the Holy Spirit that did it? Can you really believe that? I'm sure that there was offense around her pregnancy. I'm sure of it. Because we understand human nature and nothing's changed over the last 2,000 years. Human nature is still, still uh, 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 wicked. And, but then they go to deliver and there's not even a place for them. There's no place to give birth to the Son of God, our Savior. He, he has rights to every part of this earth. It says in, in Psalm 24 that all the earth belongs to him and the fullness of it, and yet there was no place for him to even be born. No, nah, there's no place for you, but, you know, we got a little barn out there. You can just go deliver him there. And so into the barn he goes, and he's born, and he's wrapped in, 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 in rags. He doesn't even have royal garments, per se. And he's put in put in a, a feeding trough. He's put in a feeding trough. That was his first bed, to lay his head. And it, it's like, when you think about it, put yourself, put yourself in God's position. And you think, well, you know, I'm just going to do this great you know, uh, favor for, for mankind. I'm going to send my only son, and he's, he's just going to love on them so much. He's such a gift. And it had been prophesied for, for uh, hundreds of years previously. The prophets prophesied about the coming, even how he was going to come. It was all there. So the expectation is there for God to have this, this Savior acknowledged. But he wasn't. So if that was you, and you had just given your all to a people who didn't even love you, and then they don't even make a way, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll stay in the palace, but you can go into the barn, and we're not even going to give you any blankets or anything. There's a few rags in the corner you can use. How would you feel in your humanness? How would you feel? You'd probably feel offended. But our God was unoffendable. He was unoffendable. And then after Jesus was born, we have Herod who wanted to kill him, (laughs) kill the Savior, and to make sure that he was going to get him. He killed all the babies. That's a lot of offense. Because Herod was offended that there would be someone that would come into the earth that might be acknowledged as king of the Jews, and so he didn't want that. So in his offense, he kills all the babies Under two. But what was behind it is his offense against the Savior. But Jesus was unoffendable. And then when Jesus came into his ministry, the religious leaders, these are the spiritual leaders, the studiers of the word and the law, the scriptures, they disrespected him, cruelly judged him, persecuted him. They were nasty to him. But he was unoffendable. Now, he would confront different things that were being said and the spirits behind it. But, I mean, you look at Paul, who called himself the Pharisee of Pharisees, the most religious of them all. And Jesus could have been offended because Paul was killing believers because they were believing in Jesus. But Jesus was unoffendable, and he reaches out to Paul and puts on him this amazing call and anointing where Paul becomes the most significant apostle in the New Testament. You don't do that out of offense. You have to be unoffendable to be able to walk like that. Jesus was betrayed by one of his own 12. Betrayed. Sold out for a few coins of gold, but he was unoffendable. He called Judas his friend. He said, do what you must do, friend. (laughs) And then he was denied by one of his closest disciples who he had put up with. (laughs) Peter was a lot like you and I, and he had some rough edges that, praise the Lord, God penned it in the Bible for us. We'll all meet Peter one day and and know the whole story, right? (laughs) But Peter had some rough edges, and Jesus was just unoffendable. He just kept reaching out to Peter, working with Peter. But at the end of the day, this this guy with rough edges that Jesus had shown so much grace to, he denies even knowing him. How would that feel? One of your closest three friends on the face of the earth, and he denies even knowing you. But Jesus was unoffendable. Later, we see him reaching out to Peter. He says, do you love me more than these? Because I'm going to set you as a pillar in the church. (laughs) Wow, Jesus. When he was arrested, he was beaten. History tells us he was beaten beyond recognition. And he was thrown into a pit. And in the midst of it, he's unoffendable. He looks up at those who have beaten him, looks up at those who have thrown in the pit and says, I love you, and you cannot make me not love you. I'm about ready to do something for you that you don't even understand because I'm unoffendable. And your actions against me are not going to change my mind on what I'm going to do for you because I love you. I'm unoffendable. He, He was lied against during the trial. They hired false witnesses. They paid man to go up on the stand under oath and lie against Jesus. That's how much hatred, that's how much animosity, that's how much enmity there was in the human nature against Jesus. But he was unoffendable. And it says in Isaiah, that he didn't open up his mouth a word to defend himself. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter, and he did not try to defend himself. He just probably looked at those liars and said, Oh, you don't understand my love. You don't understand what I'm about to do for you because I'm unoffended right now. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give you the greatest gift that I could ever give you because I'm unoffendable. Mm oh, Jesus, <laughs> oh, do we worship you? Oh, he was stripped of his clothes, and he was mocked, but he was unoffendable. He was scourged, but he was unoffendable. Those that were holding the scourge, he would again just say, I love you. You cannot make me withdraw love for you. You're being so cruel to me right now, but I'm only going to be good to you because I'm unoffendable. Wow, I want to be like that so much. He was made to carry his own cross. This is, come on, this is, this is the Savior of the world. This is the King of kings. This is the Lord of lords. I mean, we treat guest speakers better than that. And yet we make him carry his own cross in the midst of his suffering, his scourging. He's been beaten. He's been emotionally thrashed. His closest ones have denied him, betrayed him. I mean, he's spent. They say, carry your own cross. But he was unoffendable. They hung him on that cross. They nailed him to the cross. And the crowds were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And he looked out over the crowds. And he saw people. You and I were in that crowd. We were in there. We were represented in that crowd. But he looked and he saw those that he had healed. He saw those he had set free. He saw those he had raised from the dead. They were in that crowd standing against him. It says there wasn't one that stood with him. Even all his disciples abandoned him. Wow. That might have been some room for offense. Like, what? I've done all this for you. I've been so good. I've been healing your sick. I've been raising your dead. I've been casting out your devils and setting you free. And this is what I get. No, he was unoffendable. Instead, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And not only that, then he gives his whole life for them, for us. He not only forgave us, but he took care of our issue. You can't do that if you're offended. If you're offended, you will not love like Jesus. You cannot love like Jesus if you are offended. But he's an unoffendable God. And this is a God we worship all year, year round, and especially this time of year. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. This unoffendable king. Wow. It's so beautiful. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In John 12, 47, Jesus said this. I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And Lord willing, I want to cover two aspects of offense right now. And this is the first one is judgment. When you are offended, you shift into a judgment gear. It might be subtle. And I hear people all the time say, No, I'm not offended. I'm not judging. But their very conversation shows that they are. You see, your words reveal things. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. No, I forgive them, but if there's a but, you haven't forgiven. <laughs> So Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, the word judge used here and in many references is krino, and in the Greek, it means to judge, to pronounce an opinion concerning right and wrong, to be summoned to trial that one's case may be examined and judgment passed upon it, to pronounce judgment, to subject to censor of those who act the part of judges or arbiters in matters of common life, or pass judgment on the deeds and words of others. So whenever you pass judgment on the words or on the deeds of others, you have entered one of the elements of offense. Judgment, even if it's it, it, it's subtle. Because holy judgment has redemption inside of it. You you can discern something, but, but you want to be the solution for it. You want to, to have that heart to see them come through. It's not a critical judgment. It is void of that critical edge. And that's what Jesus was saying. I didn't come to critically judge you. I came... To save you, now in John three seventeen, this word crino that I just read says, "For for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, to put you on trial, to critically judge you, to shake his finger at you. That's not why he was sent into the world, but that the world might be saved through him." There it is again, Matthew seven two. For in the way that you judge, this one's scary. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. For the way that you crino, you will be out. Whoa, I can't afford it. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Luke six thirty-seven: Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. If you pardon, you will be pardoned. I like that one. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be unoffendable. People without judgment against one another. And especially, Lord, help us on social media. And help broadcasters. (laughs) Help us, God. We need to be unoffendable. Did you know that offense makes money for broadcasters and politicians? okay the next word he says i didn't come to judge i came to save the word save there is sozo and it means to save to keep safe and sound to rescue from danger or destruction to save from suffering to make well to heal to restore to health to deliver from the penalties of judgment wow so those two things okay so we're not called to judge because we're like jesus he's jesus said as the father sent me so also I send you. So we have to be unoffendable like Jesus, right? So Jesus said, I didn't come to judge, so we're not going to judge. We're not going to judge critically. We're not going to judge with a condemning edge. He says, I didn't come to judge, I came to save. Now, obviously, he understood what we needed to be saved from. Now, that's true discernment. When you see the issue and you know what you can do to help, and if you can't save, you can't judge, right? So, so we, we are people of God who are unoffendable, who when we see a person struggling or in behaviors that are destructive, we will pray or act or speak in ways that will offer salvation, that will offer a place of rescue, that will offer support and help. And sometimes that doesn't doesn't, um, get received right away. Jesus had a lot of people that didn't receive what he did on the cross, but he was unoffendable. So don't think, well, I gave them a chance. I mean, I told them this and that and the other, and they just uh, didn't listen to me, and they're still making a mess of things. And wow, aren't you offended? Jesus wasn't he just kept reaching out i always think of of paul the apostle paul what would have happened if jesus remained or had any level of offense towards him. And then when Paul wasn't listening to the truth, even though he was being prayed for, even though the church was constantly in prayer for him, you know, what if they had said, oh, well, that Paul's just hopeless and helpless, and, you know, we're going to forget him. He, he, he deserves to die. He deserves to go into prison and die by his own sword even. Blah, you know? We so easy let our mouth rattle with stuff that is just Nonsense. And that shows that we have offense. No offense. We are to have no offense, just like Jesus, but a heart to save. Matthew 1.21 says, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save, he shall, shall sozo his people from their sins. He shall deliver us from our sins, from our transgressions, from those things that separate us from the nature of God. That's what Jesus is sent to do. And that's who lives on the inside of you and I. He lives inside of you. It's who you are. You're an unoffendable vessel that offers saving grace that offers solution that offers love that offers mercy that offers truth and when you offer confrontation which is also an act of love it's done with so much redemptive purpose in it and we do need to confront but without that redemptive purpose there's no salvation element and if there's no salvation element we can default to offense Okay, the next, next aspect is I want to look at for, forgiveness because one of the uh, five elements of offense is unforgiveness. I've heard people say, I forgive them. I don't have a problem. I've already forgiven them. But they talk about the situation and the person with negativity still. Right? And I thought, no, you might think that you've forgiven. You said that you've forgiven them, but you haven't forgiven from the heart. Okay, so so don't deceive yourself. Just be honest with yourself. It's easier that way because if you fight against the truth, you're not going to get set free. I've been telling myself that a lot. Preach to yourself. Come on, it's good for you. Now, in Vine's expository dictionary, uh, to forgive means to set free and to send away. So anything that could have possibly offended you, you throw it away as far as the eye can see, as far as the east is from the west. Does that sound familiar, right? We send it away. That's what God did. He sent our sins away. They're not even on us. He set us free from them. Now, in Matthew 6, verses 12, 14, and 15, we see the first mentions, of, uh, the, the law of first mention in Bible interpretation is very important to note, because the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, you can look at every other scripture in the light of that. You can interpret it according to it. So in the New Testament, in the New Testament, Matthew 6:12 is the first mention of forgiveness. It says, "And forgive us our debts, as we forgive others ours." Okay, as also we, have, uh, we uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, forgiveness of what we receive and what is attributed to our lives is based on what we do for others. So we are forgiven as. We forgive others. In verse 14, it says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And look at the big if there. If you forgive others. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. That's pretty clear. That's the first mention of forgiveness. So everything you you read about forgiveness in the New Testament has to be on the foundation of that that understanding. Matthew 18, I want to read this whole portion. You know it well, but there's so much to glean out of this. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Way to go, Peter. You're willing to forgive seven times. <laughs> how many times? If my brother sin against me, OK, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven for this reason. And, and that's just one brother, by the way. <laughs> just just if you're keeping track. Right. <laughs> <laughs> OK. For for this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves and when he had begun to settle them one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him but since he did not have the means to repay his lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made that's interesting the one man owed the debt, but when he couldn't pay it, they were going to take it all, including his family. Your unforgiveness and your the way that you live your life affects your family and your generation line, those around you. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me. I will pay everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion, and released him and forgave him that debt. He threw it away. He threw it away. It was all gone. He set him free, completely free from that debt. But then that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. A lot less than what he had he had owed. Your debt is so massive before God, no one can compare to what you You, oh God, no one can compare according to what they've done against you. If someone sinned against you, it's so minute in comparison to what you've done before God and what you've been forgiven of. Never forget that. If you have a hard time forgiving someone... If you are struggling to forgive someone, something that will really help you is just to see how evil you are and how much God has forgiven you. Because every time that you've made any kind of transgression at all, it is recorded. God is an accountant. And when he forgave you your sin, it got washed away, all of it. And it's way more than what that person has done against you. Never forget that. Never. It'll help you stay unoffendable. So that slave went out and, 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 and found the one who owed a hundred denarii. And then in verse uh and, and then he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. In other words, I'm indignant. You owe me money. You've transgressed against me. You didn't keep your word. You didn't pay me back. You owe me. He forgot real quick, didn't he, what had happened to him. Oh, thank you. If you could just turn off the alarm, thanks. <laughs> so his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him saying have patience with me and I will repay you so that one did the same thing that he had done to to the one he owed money to then summoning him his lord said to or, or, and, and so when his fellow slaves saw what had happened they were deeply I'm sorry, verse 30. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he was owed. In other words, I will. I refuse to forgive, can't forgive. So when his fellow slaves saw what happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord what had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me? Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way? that I had mercy on you. What is the way that God shows mercy on us? 100% forgives. We all love that. We all want that. He said, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow slave in that same manner? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the tortures until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father, this is the clincher, My heavenly father, Jesus speaking here. This isn't just an ordinary voice. This is Jesus saying this. My heavenly father will also do the same for you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. From your heart. Real true forgiveness in the same way that you have been forgiven and nothing short of it. Now, unforgiveness, which is born out of offense has proven medically, scientifically, to create health conditions, problems with the immune system, the heart, cancer. And I'm not saying that people that are suffering those things, it's because they have unforgiveness or offense. Not saying that at all. There's other reasons for that. I'm not going to teach on that right now because innocent people can be afflicted. Okay. That's all throughout the Bible, but I'm not going to teach on that right now. But I am saying this is that if you do have offense in your heart, if you do have unforgiveness, there is a promise for you. You will be tormented until you pay everything you owe to your heavenly father. And none of you can do that. Not one of us can. So we have to throw ourselves on the mercy seat constantly. And it's not, you know, it's not a light thing. If we are going to look and smell and, and talk like Jesus, we have to be unoffendable. Like Jesus, what what God did in the Old Testament is he showed you how he feels about sin and the works of the flesh. He showed you how he despises those things. It's very clear, very clear. We see it all through the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, he says, now, this is what I want you to see. Even though you know how I feel about all this, you've seen it, you've heard the, the stories of the consequence of all the sin that is out there i want to tell you is that in my unoffendable heart for you i'm sending my own son i'm sending my son to wash it all away to forgive it all because i'm an unoffendable god and all i want for you is to know my goodness for all eternity to know my love for all eternity and god wants us to watch over our heart offense is very subtle I've been asking the Lord specifically, please show me when I am entering into offense, and sometimes I wish I'd never prayed the prayer. Because there's so many subtle ways, so many ridiculous little things that you know um, we judge that 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 offend us. The most stupidest things, like you know, it could be even like at at Fry's parking lot, and I was I was um, trying to. Um, put a, a buggy back in the thing and someone came and kind of went in there ahead of me. And, and I thought, man, that, that was rude. <laughs> I'm in as much of a hurry as you are. You know, the little thoughts that go through your mind, and you think, oh, man, Lord. Instead of saying, oh, bless your heart, you know. <laughs> I'm going to show you the love of God because... Um, I've been shown the love of God and I've been rude at times and I, I know what it's like, and I just release you and love you, and I you know, if if I had some time with you, I'd love to help you. You know. In fact, let me put your buggy back. Yeah. Right? Just the just the stupidest little things. But I want to have an undefendable heart. I want that. God knows your God knows your desire. I'm not gonna run from it. I'm not gonna excuse it away. I'm not gonna say I'm not offended at all and I've forgiven when I haven't. I want him to search my heart because if there's any triggers there, it's a sign. If something irritates you or it triggers you or you rush to condescend upon someone, even someone else's offense you can pick up. And if you get stirred by someone else's offense, now it's your offense. But we can be unoffendable. And I just want to encourage you to continue to pursue being unoffendable. I know I've this is my third message I've preached on. I feel I could preach way more. I'm preaching to myself because it's something I just I just want. I've been studying into it and I just want it so much. And the best version of yourself is you manifesting your Christ nature. And everything that is not of Christ nature is low nature. It is sinful nature. Anything that is not of Christ nature. The best version of you is when you live that high-level life of Jesus Christ in the character, in the nature of Jesus And that is to treat all people the same. If you look at the early church and the way that they handled politicians, way different than how we do it. (laughs) Yeah, Paul and Silas in prison, I love that story. But they had been beaten, they had been been accused, they had been, you know... The the whole nine yards, man, they got it big and thrown into the inner part in shackles, tied down. And you never hear them say, oh, man, that's so unjust what the government's done. Those laws are just, you know, this and that and get all offended at it. They just started praising God and let God do the rest. He got them out of prison pretty fast and gave them a testimony. Not only that opened up the prison cells for everyone else, too. There's a way that is in Jesus that is the high life. And that is the best version of you. And so let's go for that. Anyone can be offended. But love is of a divine nature. Being unoffendable is divine nature. Love forgives, love saves, and love desires the highest good for the sake of another. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I forgive, but I sure don't trust now, Jesus said he entrusted himself to no man because he knew it was in the heart of man. I mean, he knew Peter was going to fail before Peter really believed it, right? But he wasn't in an offendable place with that. It wasn't like, you know, well, I can forgive you, you know, but I'm not going to trust you, Peter, because your flesh stinks. I know, given the first opportunity, you're going to deny me. I don't trust you. now, Love will put some boundaries around situations and say, you know what, I can't trust you yet to work on this because let's, let's get you ready for it, right? That's a different heart. You hear the redemption in that? But when you say, yeah, I can forgive you, but I sure don't trust you, what's behind that? That It's judgment, it's unforgiveness, it's, it's bitter, right? But say, I really love you and I forgive you, well, I'm going to put some boundaries around right now until we can work this through, until you can get stronger, you know. And sometimes it's just out of wisdom. It's not out of bitterness. It's just out of wisdom. I'm going to put some boundaries. Like if someone has had, you know, trouble with, um, you know, some some kind of vice or that, you're not going to put them in a position where they could fall. That's love, right? That's love operating. That's not bitter judgment right? It's just wisdom operating through love. And so we need to be careful. I hear it a lot in Chris. I hear it all the time. Well, I'll I'll forgive, but I sure don't trust. And you can hear the bitterness in it. It's not like, well, I'm going to help that person until, you know, I can trust them to carry this out or trust them to respond properly. And I'm, you know, I'm just going to keep loving until they can get into that place. It's a different thing. I'm so glad Jesus didn't say, I forgive you, Patricia, but I sure don't trust you. Because he could have. To this day, he could have done that. Right? But I'm so thankful he didn't. But he said, yeah, I'm not going to let you go here yet, but let's work here so that you can get there. Right? Just a different place where you come from. I just wanted to address it because I hear it a lot. And, and I think that we can choose the high life. We can choose the best version of us, which is us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you so much for your love for us and for the example that you set. And, Lord, when I look at this whole subject, I think here I am, the chiefest of sinners. And yet, um, you know, we're we're all in this together. And we're all saying yes to you t- together, that we want to grow in this and we want to help each other grow and get strong. And so, Lord, we're asking for your help to be like you, to manifest that Christ nature in you that um, only words that will edify and, and, and bring blessing and truth spoken in love will come forth out of our mouth, Lord God. And Lord, whether it's someone close to us, even as close as a family member or someone in the church, but also those in the workplace, those, those wherever we, we go, even those that are in public media, Lord, help us to be unoffendable and to know what it's like to live life from the finished work of the cross with pure love and forgiveness and blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information, resources, episodes and more, connect with us at patriciakingministries.com.